Hi, and welcome to The Rock's podcast. We are currently going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. We pray that these sermons encourage your faith. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue studying the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Heavenly Father, we just remember Jesus' words. Apart from him, he said we can do nothing. Uh, We need the help of the Holy Spirit As we sang in the opening song, uh, open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might see wonderful things in your word and then not just hear it, but apply it, put it into practice so that we could be blessed and a blessing to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listening, real listening is hard to do, a great challenge Uh, for many of us. It's been said, history repeats itself probably because nobody was listening the first time. Um, A husband was heard saying, my wife says, I never listen to her, or something like that. (laughs) You get the, or something like that part, okay. Uh, Along these same lines, a conversation has been playfully uh, defined as this. Uh, Here's what a conversation is. It's a vocal competition in which the one who's catching their breath is called the listener. (laughs) Yes, we know. It's hard sometimes, you know. Uh, There are, sadly, varying degrees, however, of painful consequences when We are poor listeners. Of course, there will be problems at school, uh, trouble at work, and uh, tension in the home, except on Mother's Day, because husbands are going to be especially good listeners today. Amen? Whoa. (laughs) Two amens. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray for the moms again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So... There is an area uh, in life which Jesus has been talking about, which you will continue to be talking about, where poor listening skills will wreak havoc on your life now, impact this life and the life to come. It's just devastating to see uh, what role your attitude and your willingness to hear the truth. One person said, a really good listener is wanting to hear what you don't want to hear. Yeah, that's deep, you know. So it is hard to hear some things, uh, but Jesus says it's pretty essential, A, if you want to make it to heaven, to hear and to apply those truths, and B, if you want to be a mature Christian, if you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, then you're going to have to be always hearing, always welcoming the truth God puts in front of you, and then always responding. And this is the gist of the parables that we will be looking at this morning. Um, three brief parables right in a row with a common theme about paying attention and applying and being encouraged that God himself will bring about 
what he has promised. And so uh, what we'll do is look at these three brief parables. The first one, of course, talks about, um, once again, about the crucial role listening with our hearts plays. And so we're going to take a look like we usually do. We just read through the text that we're going to look at. And then we're going to walk through it one parable at a time. And like I said, they're short, sweet, and to the point. So let's look at all three. Starting with the parable of the lamp. Now he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has, has ears to hear, let him hear. Now consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. That is parable number one. Parable number two now. He also said, new parable, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, the third parable, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? What kind of analogy? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. And so, with many parables similar to these, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything uh, to them. And so, we're going to take a look at these parables, and we're going to start with... um, Here, hold on here... (laughs) Unbelievable. Too much white out. <laughs> and the pages were sticking together. <laughs> oh, you know, those are, every pastor needs stories like that. So when they get together, they have something funny to say. <laughs> you think that's bad? <laughs> so three parables before us. The screen can go blank. That's fine. Three parables before us, three points to illustrate, right? Uh, And it's as if God is saying, listen, this is how the gospel works. And and this is how uh, the Holy Spirit and and Christ is, is working in the world and in your heart. So if you want to succeed and be effective and productive, then these are the truths you'll have to understand and implement. And so he puts them in the form of these parables. And, and they divide quite nicely. You know, uh, number one is really summed up by saying, listen well, pay attention. Uh, the invisible is going to one day become visible and you're going to be really glad you paid attention. That's parable number one. Parable number two really says, 
Let the word do its work. I'm not asking you to manufacture any of this growth. Not up to you. I want you to cooperate with God's power, not produce anything. That's important. And that is parable two, cooperate fully. Par- uh, parable number three, did I say paragraph? It is paragraph, it's a parable. Par- parable number three, the final one we'll look at. Really it's about waiting patiently and not despising the day of small beginnings because everything God does, whether it's in the world or in your own heart, seems kind of imperceptible at first. And then he said, just be patient, folks, because what's going to happen, what's going to come about of something tiny, tiny is going to eventually swallow up the entire earth. So just hang on, buckle your seatbelts, keep listening, Keep welcoming, keep responding, and you will hear on that great day when that which is concealed is revealed. That which is in the dark and the light comes. You will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's tackle the parable of the lamp and the measure. It's really called by that name. And so here it is. Uh, before you. Here's the context. And the context, of course, is about these two groups that we're finding, and they are kind of being labeled by their responses to the word of God that they're hearing or hearing and rejecting, okay? And so you'll have two groups, those who get it and those who don't. Now, uh, we like to say there's so many um, cultures and languages and tribes and ethnicities and races and all of that. God sees human beings in two groups and two groups alone, those who get it and those who don't. Those who have come into the knowledge of the truth and the light and are saved and are reconciled and those who hear but respond by disregarding God's truth and they put themselves on the outside in the dark And the reason he's speaking in parables, he's just been saying, is to help those on the inside who have a measure of light to gain more revelation, more knowledge, more wisdom, more understanding, more faith, right? But to those who are willfully rejecting with a bad attitude and a calloused heart, it goes in one ear and out the other, uh, they will lose the very thing that they think they have but they will, that, even that understanding will be diminished. And so that's the understanding here, really. So let's go through the main ideas. Now, in this parable, uh, there's a definite article in front of lamp. And so we know, and, and of course, that Jesus said he is the lamp of the world or the light of the world. In John chapter 8, Jesus, the God-man, said, I am the light of the world. Anyone believes in me, he will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Wow, that's amazing. And so here he is, standing by the Sea of Galilee, and he's saying these kinds of things in fulfillment of this ancient prophecy in Isaiah. Let me show you this about him being the lamp. He's saying, you know, I'm here to illuminate the gospel, the good news from heaven. 700 years before Bethlehem. But in the future, Isaiah 
is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. But in the future, he will honor Galilee by the way of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, beyond the Jordan. The, the people walking in darkness there have seen a great light and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light, a lamp, the lamp there. So 700 years before that, and Jesus is standing there by the Sea of Galilee in Galilee saying, I'm the light of the world. I'm the lamp that has come in for the purpose, listen, catch this, of, of beginning to illuminate this dark world with the truth of God, with salvation. Did you even notice how important this light and wisdom and truth from God is? Do you know in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 that, that God is speaking and creating the heavens and the earth? And, and the first statement is the earth was void and empty and darkness everywhere. And God said, what is this first thing? He says, let there be light. Day four is when the sun is created. He says, let there be light before there's a sun, moon, and stars. Did you catch that? Because he is the light of the world. That in darkness, his truth is life. It's the light of life. And it comes way before the sun. And in the end, in the kingdom, there's no sun with the new heaven and new earth. There's no sun because the light from the Lord gives us the light. And so here he's saying, listen, as God the son, the second person of the Godhead, the, the creator of the world, I'm the light, and here I am by the sea in fulfillment of Isaiah's uh, prophecy. And he's just saying, listen, here's some encouragement to those who think, you know, but the whole world is in darkness. And this is the point of this parable, is how do people of the light and the gospel live in a world that prefers darkness? And that, those are Jesus' words. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 19, here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, that's him, but men preferred darkness because their deeds were evil, right? But despite that, we have received the light. We are called children of the day, children of the light. How are we supposed to live with the truth being concealed that for the most part, this world is, is darkened place? He says, let me encourage you, and he gives us this parable. He says, it's not going to stay that way. He said, why would you light a lamp and put it under your bed? Right? So now he's going to get you to think of the intention of the lamplighter or the lamp itself for coming and, and shining. He's going to say, he's going to show you the ultimate victory and the ultimate destiny that that light that started at the Sea of Galilee is going to engulf the entire universe. It's just a matter of time before that lamp sits on, is lifted up on a stand called the throne of the universe where every eye shall see and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the light and the truth and the revelation that now is concealed and hidden. We know about it, but most of the world does not. He says, but trust me, trust me. Why would you, why would I come and light, the, light a lamp only to put it. Let me show you what he's talking about to them, the lamp. 
this is what they used. And this is what he's talking about. So he said, <laughs> and he's being so funny, and we don't even catch it. He says, why would somebody light a lamp and put it under the bed? You do realize he's making a joke there, right? <laughs> he's saying, and everybody laughed in the crowd. It was hilarious because if you put a light under a bed, you wouldn't have a bed anymore. <laughs> you wouldn't have a place to live or a neighborhood anymore to go back to. He says, so does that make sense? I wouldn't, you know, lighting a lamp to put it under the bed. Then he says, or to put it under a bowl, which is funnier than it even sounds on a surface read. There were two-gallon bowls that were used by your bedside to, to snuff out the flame at night to go to bed without producing a lot of smoke. And so he's saying this. Who would light a lamp? And you say, hey, what are you lighting the lamp for? Oh, to put it out. <laughs> you know, he's saying, that would be insane, Right? to light a lamp for the sole purpose. This is why I'm lighting it now. I'm lighting it. Oh, there it is. It's, light. it's lit. Now it's time to put it out. Hmm. He says, no, it isn't. I, <laughs> the zeal of the Lord, will accomplish bringing the light of the gospel through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. He will put that on a stand for 2,000 years. It will be known throughout the world is the gospel is preached, the light of the world is, is preached, even though the lack of the response, it doesn't matter. The parable is saying, you can go back to the text, thank you. The parable is saying, it doesn't matter. Try to put it out. It doesn't matter because look at these beautiful words. For whatever is hidden, the gospel, Christ, he's invisible. The truth is meant to be disclosed. The purpose of God is to take that which is hidden and invisible and disregarded, and it's going to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed, the gospel, the lamp, the Christ, the church, the saving truth of God is meant by God to be brought out into the open. And if you've got ears, please listen because you don't want to be caught. When the lights go on, the lights are going to go on and they're going to go on everywhere and they're going to go on permanently. And they're not going to just be to illuminate God's kingdom, but they will illuminate the light, will illuminate the secrets of evildoers' hearts. Romans chapter two and verse four says, on that great day, the light comes on and everything, the fruitless deeds of darkness will be exposed. So he's saying, listen, the lamp that you're looking at right now, it's headed to light up this entire world. And when that happens, my friend, please listen, because you don't want to be caught red-handed. I slowed down there because I said last service, you don't want to be caught red-headed. <laughs> I'm not going to get a lot of emails. Do you want to? God wants all men and women to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. And by the way, when you call on the name of the Lord, here's a promise. You will never be put to shame. So how can that be about our secrets? Our secrets have been heaped on the shoulders of the God man. And he paid with God's wrath for every shameful secret that you've ever thought, acted upon, or said. 
or will. Not to say that he's not going to evaluate us for faithfulness, but nobody who is saved will ever be put to shame. That's the whole point of being saved. The word is atoned. The word atoned means covered. Our sins are covered. But if you didn't come out during amnesty, the 2,000 years of, of grace of church history, if you didn't, when God was saying, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free, <laughs> which means those who are hiding, listen to me, those who are hiding, it is now safe to come out without losing the game. That's what Ali Ali Oxen Free. And that's what the church has been preaching and the Holy Spirit through the church for years to say, listen, judgment is coming. The lights are going to go on, but there's amnesty and that which is concealed and that which is under the cover of darkness, which nobody can see is going to be manifest on that day. So right now there's time. If you want to come out of the dark, if you don't want to be caught red-handed, if you don't want to be paying for all your sinful and have the whole universe hear what it was your life was about, they will be publicly humiliated in front of God, the angels, and all of us. He's saying, Ollie, Ollie, awesome free, come on, I became all of that. You can come out, tag the cross, you'll be safe, covered, atoned for. Yeah, but know this, the day is coming. Oh, the day is coming. One far off divine event toward which all creation moves. That's from Yates. It is going to happen. Why? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He lit a lamp, not to hide it, but to illuminate And that illumination day has been set by the counsels of God. And we are quickly approaching that day. Behold, look, every eye shall see him coming in the clouds, even those who pierced him. Do you know that's light? Because those who pierced him and did the deed, that's what he's saying. They are alive somewhere, if you want to call it alive. They're in Hades. They're suffering, but they exist. And they, after 2,000 years of doing the deed, they, had they not repented, they will see him because it's a light that's coming that's going to light up heaven and on earth. And it says under the earth that every knee will bow, every tongue confess. And so this is a light that is just going to be, you will not miss this. You will not miss it, right? And Jesus is just saying, so could you please be ready? And here's what he means by this. You've got ears. You've got two of them. Please, I beg you, just use them. And then we could avoid all the tragedy. If you just listen and respond, you will be safe. You You will have eternal life and have nothing to worry about. If you've got ears, just use them. And we're good. You'll be okay. But if you start playing games, he says, listen, by the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But even more, I want you to nail this. <laughs> Just look at this and even more. This is an idiom that they used and, and for many different topics. So you have to understand what this topic means. He's saying, and here's the idiom. He's saying scoop for scoop. So 
with the measure, they use the scoop to get their lentils, right? If you scoop with five cup scooper, you're gonna get five cups of lentils. So it really means commensurate with your effort will be your reward, all right? So he's saying, listen, give God a five cups worth of a scoop of an effort to hear, welcome, uh, wanna hear what you don't wanna hear, put that into practice, make some changes, and you will get not a five-cup response from God. You'll get a 10-cup response because he's gracious. So you give him an inch and he'll give you a mile. All he's saying is crack the door open a little and he'll come in with a battering ram. You know, you just open up a little pocket and he's just pour out from heaven a blessing that you can't contain. And that's what he's saying. So listen, yeah, it's hard but you're gonna be rewarded according to your measure. And guess what? He's gonna to top it off with more what? More light, more truth, more faith, more character, more understanding of God's will in your life. You will grow. This is the way to grow. By responding, listen to me, by responding to the truth that God has already made clear to you. This is the only way you'll ever grow. You must use it or lose it. So he says, for the guy who says, scoop, I don't need anything. I'm smart enough. I get this. I understand it. But to him, right, his, his emptiness, because he's not filled, because he's not asking, he's not listening, he's not applying, he says, oh, 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 oh. you won't just stay the same. You will unravel. So resisting God with the little stuff you think you know will unravel and, and find its way out of holes in the pockets of your souls. It will go away. So he's saying, don't think you can maintain by keeping God's truth at, at arm's length. You will lose every time. You want to grow? <laughs> he has said so many things to so many people, and the number one reason they're stuck in their place as a Christian and can't go any further because they're not applying the truth that God already brought in. And he's waiting and he's got bucket loads more and he's just saying, could you just manage to apply the things that I've already shown you? And that will make room for the next level of blessing. So he says, Watch out for that. Next parable. He says, now back to two seeds here, two seed parables. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground and he has no clue, but it's gonna grow up and it grows up in stages and then the harvest is at the end when the full maturity is reached. So let's talk about this. So here he's saying... Now, about, about Christian growth, how are you going to become the person that God has intended you to be? How are you supposed to grow in knowledge and faith and understanding and maturity and character? How are you supposed to start to uh, conquer those besetting sins, to feel like you can lead someone to the Lord, uh, have an understanding? How is this going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen through your scoop. 
It's not going to happen through your effort. And he's not asking any Christian to produce anything. You can't produce it. And he's going to bring up the seed as an example. I'm not asking you to manufacture goodness. Be good. You want to go to heaven, be good. Oh, that's a doctrine of hell. That is not a doctrine in the Bible. It's the word of God has to come in and be planted. And then he says, back away, Jack, and let that seed, that gospel, the Holy Spirit, let him have his way. Learn, and you have to do stuff. But the stuff that we do is to present a suitable environment for the word to do its work, to cooperate, to give him space, not to produce not to produce. So he says, a man scatters seed. That's you. So you and me and anybody who receives. We, the promises of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Christ is called the seed, the logos, the word. The word comes into our hearts. Now, here's what he says here. He says, the Christian life is not dependent on our efforts It's not, it's all up to him. So he says here, uh, the seed gets planted in somebody's life. Night and day it grows, independent from any action of the farmer. Check this out. So he says whether he's sleeping, and I'm going to add some things here, or whether he goes into town and runs an errand, or whether he's fixing his roof, or feeding the chickens, guess what's in the ground and guess what's working. And even though you can't see, you can't see it. You don't know it's working. There's no obvious, wow, something's alive and at work. He's saying that's the way the gospel works. It gets a hold of you and and it has the life in it. This isn't about you. And so this just is an amazing thing. And he says, um, it produces life Listen, all, listen, Jesus is telling you all by itself, all by itself. It doesn't mean, oh yeah, you can pull a weed and water a little bit and and do your little part, but it's all about this life that comes uh, from God. The kingdom of God is not dependent on any human action and it's a mystery. How does a raging alcoholic uh, say the sinner's prayer and then says, I don't have any desire to drink? I know somebody like that. It was instantaneous. They're in leadership in a a church ministry. How does that happen? How how does somebody who's terribly immoral, how does a a seed come in? They didn't just say, hey, I'm going to stop being immoral. Something happened. This life all by itself, the seed, the soil, he's saying, just starts to produce this beautiful new life. And so uh, this is the understanding. I mean, it's just an amazing thing of, of the seed in our hearts. I like what Paul the apostle said. I planted the seed and Apollos waters it, but God makes the seed grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So there's a double application here, isn't there? So it's the kingdom within, and there's the kingdom without. So uh, here's what he's not saying. 
Um, the kingdom without on the outside, he's saying, let me show you a chart. I think this will help me. <laughs> a chart of the week. He's saying, listen, this is what happens in a Christian's life. And then over, over the years of maturity, when, when things are ripe, you, you begin to enjoy the harvest and you begin to be able to lead people to the Lord and, and to conquer uh, certain kinds of sins. And, and you know, but this, this all has to happen, right? And he's saying that in the world, that it's the same thing, that certain things have to happen. Now, in this case, the, the analogy goes to the second coming. So he, they're wondering, when is this all going to happen? When is the conceal going to be revealed? When is the light going to be shining in the hole? Or where, when is the second coming? So harvest and sickle is always judgment in the Bible. And so he's saying, there are certain things that had to have happened. Christ had to be born in Bethlehem. Christ had to preach the gospel. Christ had to go to the cross and die. He had to be resurrected. He had to ascend. He had to send the Holy Spirit. There had to be a church age. All right? <clears throat> and then before judgment comes, the church has to be taken out of harm's way. And then a peace treaty has to be signed. We're somewhere around here. And the, and the peace treaty with Israel has to be signed. And then a world leader has to dominate. He's called the Antichrist. And then halfway through, he has to, those seven years, those last seven years, he has to proclaim himself to be God and demand the world worship him or be beheaded. And then there's a war that ends all wars called Armageddon. And then it's ripe and the sickle comes in and then the lights come on and that which has been uh, concealed will be purposely and fully, completely, eternally revealed. But Jesus is using this saying, hey, it's not going to come tomorrow in their day. Things have to happen first, and things have been happening. And ladies and gentlemen, John wrote 2,000 years ago, we're at the last hour. Now, if that was 2,000 years ago, where we are in the last second. So we are so close to <laughs> we are so close to this and the sickle coming in. All that needs to happen is the church is removed from harm's way. That's the only thing that needs to happen. And then seven years, and then the sickle comes, called uh, the day of the Lord. That's the meaning. So, so really, what he's saying is, be patient. It's already happened in your heart but you're not yet who you need to be. It's already happened in the world, but it's not yet fully, uh, the consummation is yet to come. That's the meaning of the parable. And then finally, to our favorite, the mustard seed. Come on, who doesn't love this little story? So he says, and, and, and it all kinds of goes, goes together because uh, they're wondering how this kingdom, <laughs> yeah, uh, from this guy who doesn't have a lot of money and he doesn't have a lot of nice clothes and all of that and he's working with 12 guys who uh, have ordinary jobs and they, don't, they aren't educated. How's this kingdom going to take over the whole world? He says, let me tell you a little story about a mustard seed. Tiny little thing, 
You can barely see it. Once it gets planted, you give it a little time, guess what? It's going to grow up and it's going to take over. It's going to grow, not commensurate with the size it started with, trust me. And so we're going to talk about this. He's saying, wait patiently and don't despise the day of small beginnings, all right? So, of course, uh, double application here with the mustard seed in our own hearts and in the world. In our own hearts, come on, think about it. Mustard seed is a sinner's prayer. I just prayed with a young lady um, who, who came up. She's 15 years old, Wednesday night. And she came forward and she said, I just want you to know, I was just tagging along with my cousin and coming to church just to kill time. I wasn't interested in God or what you had to say or anything. I was just sitting there, just kind of doing my own thing. And then, so, you know, I don't know when it started, but I started paying attention. <laughs> and I started paying attention and I started, uh, you know, a couple of your jokes were funny, you know. <laughs> yeah, she just said a couple. <laughs> a couple. But I started to understand the gospel. And, and then I said, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And she said, yes, absolutely. And, and so what I just started thinking was, and then we prayed a 15-second prayer. Follow me, and she followed me. And I just thought, mustard seed, you, you can't even see. It's nothing. A mustard seed is so tiny. It fits underneath your fingernail. Mustard seed. Now, what does this mean? That, oh, I just started thinking and multiplying and thinking, Christian, Christian mom someday, Christian wife, a Christian impact to her family. She's only 15. She's got an entire life, but it started with, it was, it was almost like, that's it. And she looked at me like, that's it? Yeah, that's called a mustard seed. You know, it just starts with just a change of heart. You can walk out of a bar and go, I'm sorry, God. You know, like in my case, I heard the calling of God and I walked out of that bar and it was like, and here was my mustard seed. You, and I said these words, you're right, I'm wrong. I don't know. There was no Christian there to guide me in a proper prayer. I look up in the sky and say, you're right, I'm wrong. Then I'm in Bible college and I'm in full-time ministry and I'm 40 years of talking about Jesus and planting churches and going overseas and all that. But it all started with, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is there a God? <laughs> you know, welcome, you know. I am wrong, you're right. And how about you? You're all thinking about your own life, just a little nothing by your bedside, in your car, wherever you were. That's what it is. It's an amazing thing that the Apostle Paul who's persecuting and murdering Christians in his former life can just say, who are you, Lord? Mustard seed. And that mustard seed takes root, and what does it do? He writes 13 New Testament books and, and takes a handful of guys and evangelizes the entire Roman Empire. If that wasn't a mustard seed, I, I don't know. So he's just saying, listen, guys, don't get discouraged. Don't, dis don't be discouraged by the day of small beginnings. You know, here we got 12 guys. You know, usually when you announce a kingdom in ancient times, here's what you do. You pull out the military and you have a dazzling parade. 
and everybody's goose-stepping, doing this thing, and new weapons, and new chariots, and look at this, and look at that, and, and dignitaries, and then you start pulling out the palace treasuries, and you just start dropping big names. What did Jesus do? He's standing by a boat, a couple changes of clothes. He has no money. The Bible says he wasn't even attractive in an extraordinary way. Isaiah 53 says he was ordinary looking. There was nothing attractive about him. He didn't go the palace way. He went the barn way. He's born in in a manger with some animals. Now, come on. You want to talk about mustard seed? God, the son, born and laid in a feeding trough in a poor family, and then he gathers around a bunch of hillbillies. Sorry. That's what the Galileans were. Uneducated men, it said. Uneducated guys. Where was the money? Where's the parade? Where's the weaponry? Where's this king? And he's talking the kingdom of God. And they're saying, really? And he's saying, listen, let me tell you about a mustard seed. Let me tell you about the mustard seed. Because it all looks like imperceptible right now that I could be talking about a kingdom. But he said it starts within. Because if the kingdom doesn't start within with the first coming, you will never see the second coming with the branches and the enormous takeover uh, where that provides shade and refuge for people of the whole earth. This is a tree that is going to take over, man. I got a video clip for you about the pot, the, 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 thank you. <laughs> the mustard tree. encouraged. Be encouraged, moms, when you're two of moms from Katati. Where's Katati? Is so some big, important city? Sorry. <laughs> yes, there's an accordion festival there. Sorry. <laughs> two moms from Katati get together, and in the quietness of some living room, they're praying for their kids. Some mustard. I'm moved right now because I'm thinking of all the mustard seeds that I've gotten to watch come to fruition. 
a mustard seed of, why don't you start a church? Well, I have no money. Why don't you start a church? <laughs> you know, the answer, just, you know, how God just ignores you when you're dumb. You know? <laughs> I'm only eight months out of a bone marrow transplant. Only eight months. I'm on disability. There's no money. There's no family. So the former pastor didn't want to, want to send help. Just wanted me to go and start a church. And so we did with three kids and my wife. It was nothing. It was a mustard seed. If you looked at the first building we rented, we didn't have money for that. It was only $500. We didn't have money for that. We didn't have money to pay one employee. Now, now how do you have 1,000 people at Easter, 1,000 people and 12 full-time employees? Well, let's, no, no. Yes, let's praise the Lord for that. And we can applaud the Lord for that because it's the seed all by itself. It was the seed that got a hold of a lot of people. And he did the work. What's he saying to you? You know, I'm saying to you, make room for this little tiny seed. Because one day, (laughs) it's going to go from podunk Nazareth. That was, was famous for being a byword for the boondocks. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip's like, come and see, right? But it's going to go from Bethlehem in a barn to Nazareth as a joke, right? To this carpenter with 12 guys who can't read and write? To what? To a, pre- a place prepared for you that no eye has ever seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared. Are you, when you see, and he says, heaven comes down in the shape of a city on top of a new earth, and it comes down as a bride walks down the aisle for her husband. And when you see that, it's the fruition of a mustard seed of Jesus standing by some boat with not a three shekels to rub together for the... Yeah, that's what he's saying. So he's saying, <laughs> be encouraged. Don't despise the little prayers and the little efforts and the little growth because, man, the word of God's got a hold of you and the zeal of Almighty God will bring that thing to fruition. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you for these three very encouraging truths, these wonderful sermon illustrations that just say, that assure us that that which you've started, you will carry it out to completion. And Lord, somehow by your good grace, we're involved on the right side of your working. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, your homework. It's not hard. Don't worry. Keep on paying attention and applying the truth he's showing you. Today you heard some truth, and it challenged you in some area. Apply it. Respond. Don't just tag it here and say, oh, I got it. I learned something new here. No, 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 no. I learned something new here, so I'm going to. Right? And then you'll get more and more and more. The second thing, cooperate with him. Use all your power to 
let him do the work. Learn how to soar on the wind of the Holy Spirit. It's a lot of work, but it's just you're not producing it. You're enjoying a grace-based relationship with God. And then finally, just buckle in your seatbelt, man, and be patient and let the word do its work. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Father God, into your hands we commit our spirit. Lord, today, would you bless this special day, Father, and help us to have a wonderful week being other-centered and applying the truths that you are teaching us and be encouraged that one day soon the lights are coming on and we want to be found faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.